With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is True Crime Psychology and Personality where we discuss the pathology behind some of the most horrific crimes and those who committed them from a scientifically informed perspective. I'm Dr. Todd Grande. I have a PhD in counselor education and supervision, and I'm a licensed professional counselor of mental health. Dr. Todd Grande, that's my YouTube channel. Today's question is, can I analyze the case of Shane Ragland? On July 17, 1994, a college student named Trent DeJuro was celebrating his 21st birthday in a two-story house on Woodland Avenue in Lexington, Kentucky. He rented the house along with several other friends. It was not too far from the University of Kentucky campus where Trent went to school and played football. As the party was winding down, Trent sat on his front porch with a few of his friends. At about 2.40 a.m., Trent was laughing and talking about the upcoming football season when out of nowhere, there was a loud bang. The friends jumped up and looked around the area, but it was dark. They didn't see anything. When they looked over at Trent, they noticed he was slumped down in his chair. A single bullet had struck him in the left ear and traveled into his brain, killing him. The police initially believed that one of the partygoers was probably responsible, like they shot Trent at close range with a pistol, they tested everyone at the party for gunshot residue, but all the results were negative. The police determined that the bullet that killed Trent was most likely a 243 Winchester, which is a rifle cartridge that is a popular choice to hunt white-tailed deer. The police believed the rifle was fired from underneath a dogwood tree at the corner of Woodland and Columbia Avenues, about 300 feet away. They found two divots in the dirt that may have been from a bipod. Other than this, the police didn't have a lot to go on. They tracked down various leads and formed a few theories about a motive. Trent had been involved in an altercation at a bar a few weeks before. Maybe somebody wanted revenge from that incident. There were reports of a pickup truck containing four men that stopped at the party and harassed a few female partygoers before leaving. Maybe Trent was the victim of a jealous lover. None of these leads worked out. In 1996, the police received a call from a man named David Canty. He had an unusually high interest in the case. The police searched his house. David appeared to be obsessed with Trent. He had a bunch of paper plates with messages about the case stuck to a wall. One paper plate contained a message indicating that he and Trent were twins. David owned a rifle chambered in 243 Winchester and did not have a great alibi for the night of the murder. But other than that, there was no reason to believe he killed Trent. David Canty was cleared of any involvement, and the police were back to square one. They had no idea who the perpetrator was. But that would change in January 2000, when the police received a call from an attorney who was representing a woman who claimed to have information about the case. 
The woman's name was Amy Lloyd. She was a former girlfriend of a man named Shane Ragland. Shane was the son of a wealthy businessman. Trent and Shane had both been students at the University of Kentucky. Through her attorney, Amy Lloyd indicated that she was having drinks with Shane at a pub in Lexington about a year after Trent's murder. The conversation turned to a little contest where they would each talk about the most terrible things they had ever done. Shane mentioned that he had murdered Trent, thereby almost certainly winning that particular contest. This is what Shane Ragwin allegedly told Amy Lloyd. He was on his way home early on July 17, 1994, when he happened to notice Trent was sitting on his front porch. After arriving at his residence, which was just a few houses away from Trent's house on Woodland Avenue, Shane retrieved his rifle and put it in a duffel bag. He rode his mountain bike to the corner of Woodland and Columbia. He shot Trent one time in the head with the rifle. He then put the rifle back in the duffel bag and returned to his house by riding his mountain bike through backyards. He was trying to avoid detection. Shane's purported motive was that he was mad at Trent because Trent prevented him from getting into the Sigma Alpha Epsilon fraternity their freshman year. The police investigated and found an interesting record at the fraternity. It was a list of pledges from 1991. The name Shane Raglan was on the list, but there was a line through it. The police put together a list of random names and included Shane's name on the list. They showed it to one of Trent's friends, a man named Matt Blanford. They asked Matt to tell them if any of the people on the list had a problem with Trent. As Matt was looking through the names, he reacted when he saw the name Shane Ragland. Matt then told a story about something that happened in the fall of 1991. Matt had shared a dorm room with Trent at that time. One day when Shane was visiting the room, he noticed a calendar that contained photographs of female students from the University of Kentucky. He pointed to one of the women specifically and said that he had sex with her. This woman happened to be the girlfriend of the president of the fraternity Sigma Alpha Epsilon. Both Matt and Shane were trying to get into that fraternity. When the president of the fraternity found out about Shane's claim about having sex with his girlfriend, he denied Shane entrance into the fraternity. Shane thought that Matt was the one who leaked the information to the fraternity president. Shane confronted him for destroying his chances of getting in. When Trent found out about this, he took responsibility. He told Shane that he was the one who told the fraternity president, not Matt. The police believed that this could have been Shane's motive for murder. He wanted to get revenge on Trent. This motive was bizarre and weak. The police needed much more to arrest Shane. They requested additional assistance from Amy Lloyd, but she was terrified of Shane, which makes sense considering he allegedly murdered someone for no legitimate reason. It's not hard to imagine he would react poorly if he found out that Amy Lloyd was assisting the police. Eventually, Amy was able to make a deal with the authorities. She would only have to testify one time. After that, she was going to move away and disappear. She agreed to contact Shane and try to set him up. Here is the cover story the police told her to relay via email to Shane. She was working in Atlanta and had recently broken up with her boyfriend. She wanted to reconnect with Shane. Shane fell for this ploy and suggested they meet. At this point, 
Amy told Shane that she traveled for work and could arrange to have a brief layover in Lexington, Kentucky. The police deliberately planned it this way so that Amy would only have about 45 minutes to an hour to talk to Shane. They were worried that any longer and things could go wrong. Shane agreed to meet Amy at the Bluegrass Airport. On July 13, 2000, he met with her at a bar inside the airport. The police had already installed audio recording equipment in the bar, and undercover officers were pretending to be patrons. Amy brought up the topic of Shane's confession, saying it was bothering her. She asked him how he felt about it now. He said, I regret it. He demanded assurances that she was not setting him up. She stated that she needed closure. Shane said, I do too. Later he said he knew he made the wrong decision, but there is nothing he could do now. The next day, the police arrested Shane and charged him with murder. At his father's house, where he lived some of the time, the police found a box of 243 Winchester cartridges and a Weatherby rifle chambered in the same caliber. Shane was convicted in March of 2002 and sentenced to 30 years in prison. In prison, his skull was fractured when he was attacked with a dumbbell. He developed vision problems and lost hearing in one ear. Shane's conviction was eventually overturned due to an appeal which argued that the method the FBI used to analyze the bullet was not reliable. The FBI had actually stopped using that method for that reason. When the state was ready to retry the case, Amy Lloyd was no longer willing to cooperate. As I mentioned, the deal that she made guaranteed she would only have to testify once. The prosecution offered Shane Raglan a plea deal. If he pleaded guilty to second-degree manslaughter, he would be sentenced to time served, which was six years, including 14 months of house arrest. Shane took the deal, but that only ended his criminal problem. He still had to contend with a civil lawsuit. The court awarded $63 million to Trent's family. This was a record in the area. As I understand it, the family has not been able to collect any of the judgment. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Matt Harris. Seton Tucker and I host the podcast Impact of Influence, which for two years covered in depth Alec Murdoch, who was eventually convicted in 2023 of murdering his wife Maggie and son Paul. That story continues to evolve, and we will cover that. Plus, we will tell you stories of other true crime events that have happened in the South. Please join us on Impact of Influence and give us a follow on the Impact of Influence Facebook page. Shane would go on to have other problems with the law. He was arrested for DUI on two occasions. In 2012, Shane was involved in a single vehicle collision and was paralyzed from the waist down. In 2014, Shane's girlfriend accused him of trying to run her over with what she said was a 3,000-pound motorized wheelchair. Motorized wheelchairs typically weigh between 50 and 250 pounds. No motorized wheelchair would ever weigh 3,000 pounds. 3,000 pounds is the weight of a small sports car. For example, I once owned a 2007 
BMW Z4 that weighed just over 3,000 pounds. An emergency order of protection was put in place, but then this girlfriend asked the judge to lift the order, saying that she loved Shane. Apparently, the couple was going to seek counseling. Now moving to my analysis. Was Shane Ragwin actually guilty? Even though he pleaded guilty to manslaughter, he maintains his innocence. His attorney suggested that Shane only pleaded guilty because he was facing life in prison. Let's take a look at the factors both for and against the idea that Shane was guilty, starting with the inculpatory evidence. Three years before the murder, Shane was involved in a petty disagreement with Trent over a fraternity. At the time of the murder, Shane lived just a few houses down from Trent on the same street. Shane owned a rifle chambered in 243 Winchester. Shane allegedly confessed to his girlfriend. He was recorded in the airport making statements which suggested he regretted doing something bad. Shane ultimately pleaded guilty to manslaughter. Now moving to the exculpatory evidence. There were no witnesses in this case, no video, no physical evidence tied Shane to the crime. Amy Lloyd was a disgruntled former lover of Shane. She had a motive to get revenge. She came forward with a story only years after allegedly becoming aware of it. In the recording made in the airport bar, Shane never said what he regretted. He never mentioned a homicide. He could have been talking about any number of regrettable events. Tests indicated that the cartridges in Shane's room did not match the bullet recovered from Trent. An FBI laboratory technician who testified during a pretrial hearing lied about a ballistics analysis. The technician eventually pleaded guilty to misdemeanor perjury and was sentenced to four months in jail. Even though David Canty was cleared as a suspect, he still had an unusual interest in the case and had a rifle chambered in 243 Winchester. Considering all the evidence, do I think that Shane Raglan was guilty? I think he was guilty in reality, but I do not think he was guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. There is plenty of room for reasonable doubt in this case. He should have been found not guilty if he was retried. The only compelling evidence against Shane in this case is the recorded conversation with Amy Lloyd. Even though Shane never mentioned anything about a murder, how would Amy have known that there was some big mistake that Shane made that he regretted? If she was lying, she was really taking a chance that he would just mention the bad act and it would not be murder. Rather, it would be something like shoplifting, using drugs, or jaywalking. In a way, it is suspicious that Shane didn't specify what he regretted, like it's so serious that he did not want to say it out loud. Also, whatever he regretted was severe enough that he was afraid he was being set up. Like if he was referring to something like jaywalking, he knew that the elite crosswalk enforcement officers wouldn't jump out and arrest him, because they only apprehend serial offenders. The last item I want to talk about is Shane's motive. This whole story about committing a murder in 1994 based on not getting into a fraternity in 1991 is difficult to believe, but it is the only known motive for Shane. What could have happened here? Why would somebody do this? This is just a theory, my opinion. Shane really valued getting into the fraternity, even though fraternities in general really don't have much value. It's mostly just a place where people get intoxicated and party. Fraternities occasionally engage in positive activities in the community, but they are mostly known for endorsing impulsive and less than intelligent behavior. 
Because Shane valued that particular fraternity so much, he was quite angry when Trent took responsibility for his exclusion. Over the years, Shane was going nowhere socially, but Trent was successful in that domain. Shane's anger and resentment became more pronounced. It reached a point where he was simply looking for an opportunity to get revenge. Perhaps he had even planned a scenario where he would shoot Trent on Trent's porch. Shane didn't even care if it was anonymous revenge. He simply wanted Trent to pay. Trent's birthday party gave Shane the opportunity he was looking for. From Shane's perspective, the fact that Trent was surrounded by his friends was a bonus. They would watch Trent die. Shane carried out his plan and ended Trent's life. In the process, he destroyed his own as well. First, he was racked with guilt, then he went to prison, and ultimately, he was severely injured in a vehicle collision. Shane Raglin was worried that missing out on a fraternity would destroy his life, but it was his own actions that brought about that result. This has been True Crime Psychology and Personality from Ars Longa Media. This content is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Ars Longa, Vita Brevis. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.